0: guys before we get started with our very super special episode with comic book royalty i don't know how we score these things uh but uh, you know the usual stuff uh like and subscribe tell your friends about us hit us up on social media facebook instagram and twitter at launchpadpod and our website launchpadpod.com watch us on youtube you're gonna to want to watch this one on youtube it's not very often you get to see comic book royalty uh in the launch pad now it's super funny because it's like normally you're a teacher so you, you'll get this analogy normally when the teacher's not available and they bring in a substitute. It's usually like some doofy person that they were able to get at Like the last minute you bring in like Brian Michael Bendis. Like I'm like, Hey, I'm busy. I can't do the show. And you're like, Oh, I, I'll get somebody. And you got a backup. I got a backup. <laughs> <Brian Michael laughs> Bendis. Uh, arguably one of the greatest comic book writers of all time. Um, easily, you know, t- top five to ever do it. Um, Ultimate Spider-Man, obviously is huge. Um, Insane, insane work done on uh, Daredevil uh, powers, which is a show that I worked on.
1: <laughs> yeah, did you ever read the book?
0: Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, because we had them sitting around the office, and I was like, you know, oh anyway. But it was super funny because it's like immediately I was reading the book, I was like, oh, this isn't the show they're making. That's unfortunate. But like, but like, it's a good book. Yeah, I know. Yeah, the show, the show didn't know, like, it didn't understand the comic book genre. I think, I think, I, I don't know. But the the comic book was awesome. It's like a noir sort of mystery with superhero powers. It was like before Boys, I think, was really doing that sort of thing, that edginess. This is just, I, I don't know. Powers did a really cool like detective noir story. Um, you know, trying to solve like superhero murders, which is cool. It's a cool story. And that was
1: one of those books too. And this isn't doing any this isn't going into anything because he uh Brian Michael Bendis, and I don't really talk about power. We no, you really, talk about Legos and other period.
0: podcasts. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Rumi can't stand that we talked about other podcasts. But um Powers was great because it's a, it's an idea that we've seen in different, you know, different iterations of a it, different types of ideas, similar to that. But for me personally, that was one of the first times I read superheroes in a quote unquote, real world situation. Uh, you know, it's very, um, there's a lot of shades of alias, which, uh, was, uh, Jessica Jones was the alias was Bendis's comic version of Jessica Jones, uh, where he created her. And it's, uh. Powers and alias have a lot of shades of each other in there. It's like, what would you do if there's a super-powered person trying to acclimate to a regular life without powers? And it's pretty cool. Those are certainly not the only two examples, but for me personally, I was so into Bendis when I started reading comics that I read everything that he had that was around, especially if it was Marvel Knights or um, um, Marvel Max or something harder. I wanted to read that gritty, gritty adult stuff, and those two books are just great examples of it. Powers is not Marvel, I know, but still.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic stuff. And you got a great interview, man. So um, I, I, I want to say congratulations because I know this was a big get. It was years in the making. He's been trying to get on our show forever. He's like, yo, yeah, second, yeah. the second that McLean kid can't do an episode, I'm in. Put me in the game, coach. And I've been, you know, I've just been being, being a ball hog. I haven't haven't let up the mic one second.
1: Well, I got to give a I got to give a, a couple shout outs to people who've tried to connect us, including specifically Diana Schutz, who is our... Uh, Launchpad podcast friend edi- uh, editor who edited so many huge books uh, for for so many different companies. Specifically, she was doing just pounding it out at Dark Horse, course, doing some amazing stuff. And she was on the show, and she was great. And she turned into one of those people who pretty much is almost like a uh, off off microphone friend who we've talked to and seen in, in in the in the interim. And years ago, she tried to hook me up with Bendis, and she said, "Mention my name, tell him that we talked." she sent him a letter i was like listen these guys are legit i had a great time on their show you know they're worth the shot and bennis immediately agreed uh a month before pandemic hit we were going to go see him have a bitchin interview at WonderCon. yeah my I cousin paul yeah. were from the east coast my cousin paul was going to be out here um and he was going to come meet him and paul not only is a huge comic nerd but literally was following on my footsteps so i was like here Ultimate Spider-Man and Daredevil. You need to read those. That's what got me into comics, and now the kid has as much nerd cred as I do. And he was so excited. And then pandemic hit. He didn't come out. WonderCon got canceled. Um, I left went town back to a yeah. thousand things. Yeah, you moved, and uh, Bendis and I have been talking all these years. Every once in a while, I check in. I'm like, Hey, what do you think about that interview? And he's like, Yes, sorry, I'm super busy. You know, ne- he never even like explained. He's just, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm busy. Yeah, I know you're busy, man. You, like, run the Marvel Empire, and you're doing a thousand <laughs> different things, and you never sleep. And uh, yeah, he was see, always so genuine. He I always, always see him in
0: the uh, the Spider-Man, um, Into the Spider-Verse, was the, 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 the first one, um, uh, the Miles Morales movie. Uh, it's like, he's in your phone. You're calling Miles Morales, but you can't call Rumi me. Rumi loves that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> he loves that. That's one the... of my favorite Easter eggs. He was exactly. also in
1: the Daredevil movie, too. Uh, yeah, his name yeah, yeah. is mentioned in the original Daredevil movie. Mm-hmm. But he was one. always like, yes, we'll do it. We'll do it. And I kept being like, when? Okay, when do you want to do it? Me and Rumi will do it whenever. You tell me when. And then it would be radio silence for another month or two. And then it was, oh, sorry. Let's try to do it now. Okay, when do you want to do it? Uh, I can't commit to a date. For years, phone finally... Tech. This last, yeah, like the best, the best kind of phone tag when you're dealing with five Emmy Emmy winning five Emmy award winning writer, producer, um, just extraordinaire. And finally, Cousin Paul was coming back out. So I played the, hey, my cousin's going to be sitting next to me card. And finally, he was like, "Okay, let's do this. And we finally started talking dates. After three years, we were putting dates and times. And it was boom, boom, boom. We kept changing it. Mr. Bendis, some of us kept changing it. <laughs> <laughs> he changed it a couple times. Finally, like it looked like tomorrow was gonna be the day. And I was waiting for like a, a green green light, which I ended up getting like an hour and a half before we actually rolled oh. tape for the podcast. So And it's
0: it's good. It's you got the interview, man. So hats off to you. Hats off to you for being persistent and uh being a great interview dude you always you always deliver uh and you get to talk to cool people
1: (laughs) well that's you know that's one of those things that uh you know we always say zeb wells is one of the best because it didn't and i remember you and i walking out of zeb wells's garage garage, and we were like that didn't feel like an interview
0: because it was a discussion it was a chat
1: and that's how it felt with brian michael bendis this huge huge guy who it's. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say shaped the way that modern comics and the Marvel cinematic universe ended up being. Yeah. And I'm shooting the shit with him about podcasts and shitty movies and Legos. And it's just a chill conversation. Uh, it's one of the more surreal moments that we have, I think doing this where you're just like,
0: I can't believe I'm just shooting the shit with yeah. this giant God, you know, it's awesome, man, but we're teasing it too much. Let's get on with the show. Matt's interview with Brian Michael Bendis on the Launchpad Podcast.
2: Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four,
0: three, two, one, four. All engines running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.
1: I have a good episode for you guys today. Rumi's doing some behind-the-scenes Rocketeer <laughs> stuff, but I was able to get none other than Mr. Brian Michael Bendis on the show. And I need to start this by apologizing to you because you have been trying so hard to get on this show for the last yes.
2: three years. Yes. <clears throat> How many times am I going to email you? God damn. Jesus.
1: Um. A huge part of my life, I reached out to Mr. Bendis years ago. It was right before pandemic started. And he was gracious enough to say, yeah, swing by at WonderCon. I think it was uh, it was at 19 or 20 WonderCon 2020. And he's like, let's do an interview. My cousin Paul is in town. We were going to go do this great thing all set up. And then COVID broke out and just shut everything down. And for the last three years, we keep telling each other we're going to do it.
2: Well there was you know there was that little phase where anytime someone goes you want to do a podcast and I'm like no I want to go play with my echoes. <laughs> you know I I you know, um so there was that part of the pandemic and then it was just timing for us but I'm I'm so glad we got this uh done and thrilled I it. I mean I and jokes aside Thank you for your tenacity and interest in making this conversation happen. So uh,
1: I I appreciate you not getting annoyed. I'm one of those people. Oh, no, if You no. told me no or said it's not going to happen or I'm busy. I would have let you go. But you kept saying yes. So I kept and I appreciate you being patient with me. And thank you so much for doing this. Uh, it, it I'm very sure it's going to be fun. I've said it to you before and I've said it on the show before. You had a very, very large part in me personally getting into comics. You also revitalized a lot of Marvel. Um, for those of you who might not know who Brian Michael Bendis is, I, I'm I'm sure everyone right now is rolling their eyes. If you walked by a comic book store, I'm sure you know his name. Uh, Daredevil, Avengers, Spider-Man. Uh, I mean, name a thing that he hasn't touched, both DC and Marvel. Um, I want to talk about some stuff today that's not – daredevil that's not ultimate spider-man but i have to say thank you for that you nailed those i mean what an incredible what an incredible run i mean i guess what does that mean to you that you that you did those things
2: um i I, i'm not wired to be proud of myself it's not like in my way it's not like going back generations not in my wiring so but um uh, Ultimate Spider-Man in particular uh, uh, offers so many opportunities to just um, so many warm hugs from people like all over the world constantly. My Instagram is constantly. I'm reading it right now, Ultimate Spider-Man. And then we found out just like a couple days ago that the number one book on Marvel.com was Ultimate Spider-Man from years ago uh, for the, from for this year the, the oh, wow. number one book. And like me and we got to take a moment and email each other uh, genuinely. Proud of that, you know what I mean? Like, oh, oh, we didn't mess this up. That's fantastic. You're right, right? Because it was a great portion of our lives, so it's <laughs> nice to have not messed it up. So uh, on that level, it's 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 enormous. It's it's more than you could ever have hoped for. And when I think back a- on and am ac- actively writing about right now, my younger years and thinking about what I wanted uh, as a comic book creator, like what I wanted to do when I grew up, it's yeah, it's, it blows my mind. It blows my mind.
1: You, I mean, I, from experience, but like you said, from all your social media posts and people you probably have seen at cons, yeah, your Spider Man is a lot of people's Spider Man. You know, I think we all have one or two versions that are the core of that character. A- and I hope that you at least give yourself or at least let Bagley pat you on the back because you guys that is so many people's version of
2: i i'm much i'm much more wired. when bagley pats us on the back i can accept it okay fair enough (laughs) that's a very healthy thing for me to say that i was not uh, wired to do that just a few years ago but yeah it 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 is again what i do is i remove myself from the equation and remember how i feel about other creators who have done certain things and then go. Okay, that's that, that's what they're talking about. Like I, I I can enjoy my friend's successes far more than I can enjoy my own. Uh, but but then every once in a while, there's something like Marvel announcing the book is still doing well. It's just a reminder. It's you're out there being seen, and it's and it's a and it's a warm thing. And you know, I just know from the interactions that they're reading it with a sense of comfort, and I and that's that's really. Great. That's like you want to connect with other humans, and that's a great way to connect. It's amazing.
1: Yeah. Well, Spider Man's, I think, also a great conduit. He's a great character, a great property to connect with people through, right? I think. I mean, you did it through Daredevil as well, but I think, I think uh, Spider Man speaks to Is us on something so many different levels.
2: Really, really peculiarly powerful about Spider-Man. And I and I, you know, talking to your your nephew there a little bit ago, uh, I was reminded about like that first year I was on Ultimate Spider-Man. And, you know, just think about Spider-Man like 24 hours a day. And I was at the supermarket, I was at like the Ralphs uh he, he here in Portland. It's called Fred Myers and I was walking around thinking and all of a sudden I heard a like a kid, the the age of your your nephew going Spider Man and I turned and it's a baby. A baby is reaching for a Spider-Man plushie. A full-sized, you know, uh, googly-eyed Spider-Man pl- plushie. And she's like, I want and this is a child so young that they don't, they, they can't possibly understand the story of Peter Parker or, you know, this pre-Miles. Like it, like it's they they don't get the story or the theme. It's just there's something about Spider-Man that they really love. And and then then that grows as you get to know what the character means. But so it's fascinating, such a strangely designed costume is so appealing. (laughs) It is. uh, uh, On a primordial level. It's just, it's just, so I've seen it with my own eyes at every level, at every age from my perspective as a Spider-Man writer. And I, I, it blows me away. And I I don't have all the answers other than I I have, I have through discovery figured out that some of the connection that people have to Spider-Man, that's so much higher than the other superheroes is because you discover, and you can read this in uh, Danny Fingeroff's book about Stan Lee called The Marvelous Life, that you you figure out how much of Peter Parker's pain and his personal struggle was identical to Stan's at the time. Mm -hmm. Like Stan was writing as personal as he could possibly write, but hiding behind an avatar. Right. Um, which a lot of writers have done over the uh, years. But what you it's always fascinating to discover that when a writer's really putting it out there, like really bleeding on the page, an audience, even if they don't know, they know, they connect, sure. they grab towards it and on a, and a, on on all these different levels. And it was so interesting to see a, you know, a character like Stan really dig in deep on Spider-Man and then get that reaction no matter what medium it's in no matter how it's being interpreted it's fascinating and you have
1: connected and worked on so many characters it'd be easier to list the stuff at least the mainstream stuff that you haven't touched but like before that you Same did times. all of <laughs> you had all of your jinx world stuff that you did you've written it. you've written comics you've written tv movies even video games you have stories in video games right um multiple Eisner award winner. I know you don't want to pat yourself on the back, but I will. You had mentioned little Bendis before. If you could go back in time, like, were you a comic book kid? Did you read comics as a kid?
2: Yes. I, I, I have uh, just so you know, very, very soon, probably by the time this podcast airs, I'll be debuting on my Substack a brand new autobiographical comic called fortune and glory, the musical, which is a sequel to a book I did years ago called French right. and Glory. But this one is wrapped around the very short time I was the writer of the Spider-Man Broadway musical, the notorious Spider-Man Broadway musical. And I use that uh, uh, shocking bit of business as an excuse to really like do an autobiographical, how I got into comics. So I have spent a great deal of time this year, like digging into the answer to the question that you're, you're asking. But yes, I don't have memories without comic books. I, they were in my life as I was learning to read and discover like what my place in society was. So I have no memory. And then I also like, as soon as I discovered, oh, those little names on the front page, that's their job. Like someone's job is to make me feel how I feel today. Oh, then that'll be my job. Then I I, I would like that job, please. That's, oh, a, cool. that's a way you can make a living. So I remember like George Perez was like a, 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 one of the first names I read, memorized it because this person who draws all the rubble and the capes and uh, this, <laughs> I, I want to do this. I want to, I want to not only feel a certain way, but recognize I want people to recognize. Oh, you did that! This is this is one of the, that person. So my goal was to be George Perez. That was that was, and I, I stood up at the dining room table and I announced it. I said, uh, "Excuse <laughs> me, is, is there a, a a job to be the artist of Spider Man?" And then my mom goes, yeah, I go, well, I am going to be the artist of Spider-Man and then sat down as if it's been declared. (laughs) declared. Uh, And, and that it's a true story. And years ago, like, like while I was in the middle of my Marvel heyday, my mom called me up and, and it like, she remembered, Hey, do you remember like standing up at the dinner table and saying, you're the artist of Spider-Man? Because, God damn you got close that's amazing <laughs> like like she's the only one that's like I was there you really did do that so I I never did you know draw one issue but you know 236 in a row yep you
1: have done so much and I want to move a little bit away from some of your more touted titles but before I do I love the 2003 MTV animated Spider-Man. Show cartoon. I thought that was so cool. Yeah. I remember I was in college. I, I don't remember what year, but say like a I think I was a sophomore in college at the time. And like I remember it aired on Friday nights. And I remember thinking, like, who's watching TV aside from me on a Friday night in college? But it was even before I was like a, a a a Marvel or even a comics fan. But I thought it was such a cool show, and I think it did the character justice, at least physically moving through. I liked it better than the Sam Raimi movies and everything.
2: Well, know I, 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 I. Well, that's incorrect. But I, I, I appreciate the, your opinion is wrong. <laughs> no, I, uh, um, I, um, uh, I appreciate that. It was very strange, interesting. Uh, everything going on at Marvel at the time. They, they were coming out of bankruptcy and try to like refining their their corporate way. Like when I got hired, Marvel was full on in bankruptcy. They were right. like selling furniture for money. And then all of a sudden, the Spider-Man movie came out, and it did huge, like a number of Hollywood had never seen before, guaranteeing that like what Blade had shown was that these movies, this there's oh there's big money here, like let let's really take this seriously. And uh, I had had the opportunity to see the Sam Raimi movie before it came out, so I'd, I was already building up a series of strange Spider-Man related like life. Uh, moments that were like happening very quickly Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden i got a call hey they're gonna do a spider-man cartoon for adults on mtv like you know and 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 this was in the vein of what um liquid television was right yeah if people remember that's where beavis and butthead came from and Anne flux and there was a quite a wonderful show and if you I'm sure it's on YouTube uh, called liquid television where it was uh, an anthology of high-end animation mostly handmade uh you know Studios trying for new new ideas and new Technologies and so out of there came some really interesting new voices and 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 such like that highly recommend it and um, from there, they were they were spending a lot of time in the animation space, making An flux into a TV show and Beavis and Butthead. And then all of a sudden, hey, we're going to do a Spider-Man show. Now, that's awesome. And the cast was awesome. And the writers were awesome. And the animators, who were working on a very tight budget, were really trying to do something interesting, which I've always loved being part of, someone trying to make something where logic said you can't. Mm-hmm. So, but the, the bummer was, um, there was always like back then some weird corporate nonsense with Spider-Man, like, you know, Sony owned the rights to certain things and Marvel owned the rights to certain things. And then you wouldn't find out till you were well into it. Oh no. uh You can't use any of the villains. Uh, okay. Well, that's a big element. It happened to us on, uh, the Spider-Woman, uh, motion comic as well. We were hired to make a motion comic. And then, while we were in the middle of it, said, "Oh, but she can't move because that's Sony Animation."
0: What? Yeah,
2: (laughs) they go, "See, so everything can move, but her—the thing that's always on camera—and it's from her point of view—and we've already made our choices in that regard." And uh, yeah, production-wise, how does that
1: fall through the cracks that you don't know it at the beginning?
2: Well, well, yeah, well, again, it's just a large corporation, and 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 these things are. Uh, to be honest, fluid. So, sure, what one person knows, another person may not know yet, and uh, that that it, it just happens at these big corporations. It just does. And then this one, yeah, it was messy. There was some messiness, which is, you know, I, I can't believe it. It was so messy that it's amazing that in my lifetime it has resolved itself, and now we get these wonderful Tom Holland movies. Um, but but at the time they were they were you uh, spider-man had a lot of mommies and uh and uh <laughs> and, and they all had to be listened to so it was cool it was um uh neil patrick harris was in it lisa Lowe uh mary jane and it was just like very cool uh cast and it was nice to see like cgi animators trying for something they may not have had the time or money for it, but really trying to go for it but uh i i do remember so clearly um an MTV executive, not a Marvel executive or a Sony executive uh, after, and this is after the Sam Raimi movie has already come out and made like $118 million, whatever it opened up, it had already made a lot of money and anyone in the business is going, well, damn, Spider-Man is popular. Right. Yeah. And uh, this guy calls a meeting on the phone and uh, says, why does it have to be a spider? And I, I did. I laughed. I went, ha, that's like That's funny. And he goes, no, seriously, aren't they like icky? Like spiders are icky. Do people like spiders? And it's funny because that is connected to the origin of Spider-Man that Stan could only get those first 11 pages out of Amazing Fantasy 15 because the publisher, Martin Goodman, said the same thing. I don't think kids like spiders. I don't think spiders are going to be a hit. So you can have like these 11 pages. Like that's all he had. Wow. So this Here we are. 40 years later, 30 years later, whatever it was, uh, an executive going, yeah, spiders are icky. And and I, and I remember thinking, I I don't want to go to these meetings anymore. (laughs) How do you, how
1: do you respond to that?
2: I, I did laugh. I've done this a couple of times where I (laughs) laughed. Oh shit, they're not joking. Like, like, That's a tough one. And I've been guilty of that a couple of times. And I've never done on purpose. I'm mad at myself. It's funny to say now, but it's very embarrassing at the moment you go. (laughs) And uh, um, so, yeah, but I, I I did feel, oh, between the villains and MTV, who was in the middle of a a wave of, you know, dating shows, like that's what they were doing a lot of. So, you know, the dating show executive giving us notes on the cultural uh, uh, literacy of Spider-Man. I, I, uh, I, uh, yeah, i remember <laughs> not wanting to be in those meetings anymore. So it, it all ended up going away quickly, but I, I was glad for the experience. It ended up being one of those, uh, you, no one got hurt, uh, kind of failures that then when I got hired to work on all, the ultimate Spider-Man cartoon and the, the, um, the video game, I was much more prepared for sure. Yeah, what, that makes what, sense. What the partnerships and what the you know what 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 my energy should be in that room. So uh, because going right from the comic book, which is literally a blank page, and an, an artist who can draw anything, and like there's not there's literally nothing you can think of that can't happen in this space. In the comic book, being from the most intimate to the most bombastic, to a space where it's very limited what we're what we're able to accomplish, and let's see what we can do. And so you can make good stuff out of both situations, but going from one from right from one to the other is a bit of a whiplash.
1: That's interesting too, because I feel like part of the reason I personally like that show is because it was animation, so he can do a little bit more spider-man type things than even in the in the live action movies even as as great as they were especially for the time um but you're right animation is not as limitless as the page because there is a budget involved right you have to pay those animators all the digital stuff is even there's so many more layers in that um and you could certainly see i don't want to say flaws but you can see where they spent money and where they didn't spend money in that show right
2: you know, I literally have a look at it since we were working on it. I haven't even seen it in passing. Uh, it's on Disney Plus now. Yeah, I know. So I don't, uh, I, and, and I'm happy about that. But I, uh, and I'm really happy those Ultimate Spider-Man cartoons are out there because uh, we were, that was a good time, and I, I'm glad they're they're there. Uh, so, so I'll have to take a peek at it and see if it, see what my cringe level.
1: Well, hits. spoiler alert: it ends on a giant cliffhanger. I, I'm sure you remember that.
2: I vaguely what like, what was it? He puts you this, he,
1: he, you know, this I don't want to be Spider-Man no more. He puts it yeah, in a suitcase and tosses it into the
2: the Manhattan. Like, that might have been the writer's room. <laughs> <laughs> wishing. Well, that's wait, kept wait, wait. me
1: up nights, Mr. Bendis. I, I need to know what, what was going to
2: happen next. I think he's okay. And I don't know. Based on the trailer to Across the Spider-Verse, maybe we'll find out. Who knows? I, oh, I, man, that'd be so cool. I don't know if that's the case. I shouldn't say that.
1: I better. thought Neil Patrick Harris was a great
2: Spider, you know, Spider-Man was, and Peter
1: Parker, too, right?
2: He was delightful. My memories of the whole the whole cast were very game and very into it and very much... Feel, they, they, they felt the weight of... Oh, this is Spider Man. Let's let's take it seriously. So yeah, they were great, hundred percent. Well,
1: I could talk. I mean, I could talk Spider Man with you all day. And as as much as you are in that vibe, you're a crime guy, right? You're a noir guy. Your heart is also there. And again, I'm not even gonna open up a Daredevil box with you because you that that book even more so maybe than Ultimate Spider Man made me love comics as a medium. It got me so into that character. And it's the sophistication of the entire medium.
2: Well, um, I, yeah, I, I mean, I lucked out. I came in, I came out through crime comics. I loved superhero comics as a kid, and all all through college, and then as a, as a younger creator, I, I think I just I, I became obsessed with film noir and the language of film noir and true crime and doing research like uh, like a crime writer, and uh, that that opened so many doors to me creatively but then when i got the call from marvel to do daredevil and spider man i was like oh these are all crime comics like i like like spider man has always been a crime comic like from its earliest days and so was daredevil as a pulp sure i mean that's a crime comic so uh with the realization that a crime has to be committed for any of these plots to move forward oh then they're all technically crime comics i'm a crime writer with uh uh, a different perspective than some of these other writers so yeah, it definitely had a lot to do with my um early success once these things started rolling at both on daredevil and spider-man was i was i was actively applying other language to the characters um than my heroes had or people who had, who had come before well, you just you was-
1: hit those i mean you hit daredevil so well and with alex malieve's art just was the yeah. visual to your words but I, that's a Pandora's box. We'll be here for four. No, well, I, I listen. I'm
2: working with Alex right now this weekend. Alex and I are working on a brand new crime uh, uh, project uh, for Dark Horse at Jinx World that we're super proud of. So this is a this is not uh, this is an ongoing concern in my life. This is one of the most important collaborators in, in my life, and uh, I had worked with him before Daredevil quickly on Sam and Twitch for Todd McFarlane.
1: That's had where I was going
2: that good of a job as a collaborator. So having had the second chance with Daredevil that has carried us all the way through to the project we're working on now is one of the great joys of my life.
1: I will read anything that the two of you two do. I mean, I pretty much because of what you've done together, I'll read either of you separate, but together it's like, even if it's not my favorite thing, I still love the flavor and I still love the flair. And again, that's like what you talked about earlier about um, any production where the team is working together, the audience can. I, I really do believe the audience can see that and feel that. And with you guys, that's that's there. You know, it's there all the time. But um, you'd mentioned Sam and Twitch. I really would love to talk about that image stuff, um, specifically Hellspawn, because you wrote a bunch of issues of Hellspawn. Well, I tried. that. <laughs> that they're badass, and I, I for me personally. That was the spawn I wanted to see. And McFarlane spawned the main flagship title and and series was great, but yours took it to that seedy level where I personally, I think he should live. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts about that in general, but specifically that character in that series was Todd's baby, right? Yeah. And now you have to write a more grown-up, arguably more grown-up version of that at Image, Was there a lot of oversight or was he just like, go for it, man. And let's see what you do. How did that, how did that feel from your eyes?
2: Well, he, he's an interesting guy, Todd. I mean, people can tell that from any interview that, that he gives. And uh, he called me out of the blue and uh, hired me like out of the blue, like, uh, and even how he hired me from the, what he described to me was, was so weird. Like I was an image creator at the time I had been brought in with, by Jim Valentino our our publisher, Caliber Press, which was this uh, really interesting small press publisher uh, that discovered me and David Mack and Mike Oming. Look, almost everyone who's making comics right now like had gotten a start at Caliber. And, uh, but Caliber had fallen apart and we all needed a new home. And Jim Valentino had opened the door at Image in its earliest days to like, you know, uh, creators like myself who were not gonna hit image numbers But what it gave us a safe and happy home that wasn't going to hurt anybody. Right. And so we were there. And so I was in the image machine and then uh, supposedly, according to Todd, he was uh, at a meeting with Mark Silvestri at his office and they were like having an argument about toys or something. And then uh, Todd (laughs) just like grabbed some books off of his table and walked out of the meeting. And one of the books was, uh, my comic book Jinx, and uh, it's a, a book I did about a bounty hunter. And then he got into his car and then read it all the way home, and then called me and then said, "Hey, I just read wow. uh, this book I stole from Mark Silvestri and uh, <laughs> I have a couple of projects that I'm I want to start making, and I can't physically do them." I'm like, "Oh, what do you got?" And he goes, "Well, I got a I got one about a giant cyborg monkey called Cygor." And I remember going, "What else you got?" Like <laughs> I just, I, like I just—that's not what I do, right? And and there are people that do that perfectly. I'm just not one of them. Sure. And he goes, "Well, I got these two cops." I go, "I'm in." Like I like I like like I I, I can do cops like for sure. And it was you know uh, two cops in the Spawn universe, and uh, and very, set up very much like you know an Abbott and Costello odd couple kind of uh, scenario already set up. Uh, And I was like, fantastic. So from there, he he was a great boss in that he did not give us any notes and let us do our thing and treated us the way he would want to be treated. It was fantastic. Uh, uh, Both pro and con me. Uh, Pro me because it let me figure some stuff out that I needed to figure out as I was headed towards the main stage at Marvel. Um, uh, Also con me because some of the things I needed to figure out were how to be a better collaborator and mm-hmm. because I was coming from being a writer artist who did everything including the lettering I like on Jinx I did everything right? Oh, right so when you're doing everything it's really hard to tell where the storytelling stops like where does my job as writer end because to me it's in the layouts and it's in the inks it's in the lettering choices so I literally would write sandwich which and then draw Sam with Twitch and then hand my drawings to the artists, including Alex and say, here, just do this. Right. Mm -hmm. And that was bad collaboration. That was not good of me. That was me overstepping and being a little megalomaniac, but in my heart, I was trying to be helpful, but, but, but looking back at it, I go, Oh, I was being over demanding of, of my collaborators, and I bring this up every chance I get because I just want people to know there's a lesson to learn here. And if what I'm what I'm doing sounds like something you might be doing as a collaborator, yeah, stop and think about it for a second. Now, what I lucked out was that the results weren't um, terrible, but what what happened was when I did get fired off of Sandwich Twitch, uh, um, uh, Alex was still drawing the book from Todd's scripts and Todd's scripts were phone calls. So he went from a full script and layouts to Todd being much more uh, improv and, 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 and uh, open to interpretation. And when I saw what Alex was doing with Todd's more open minded collaboration, I was ashamed by what, what I had done. So when we got the call to do daredevil together, it was a huge second chance for me to write well for Alex to like just just to like like I I learned a lot through the firing that oh if I ever got a chance I would do it differently and so we got to hit the ground running on Daredevil cuz like sandwich twitch was like this practice that we got to do uh thankfully on someone's dime and then uh, and uh and then here we go on Daredevil so and we and we haven't had an opportunity to stop since you're a very
1: frank interviewee. I like I like that you just put it all on the table. I mean, clearly you're in a, a, a position where that doesn't hurt or scare you, but I don't think in general a lot of people can do that. So it's refreshing to hear advice like that and frankness well, like I'm, that.
2: I'm a college professor, too. And I, what I've learned throughout the years, and I'm sure you have like you learn from failure. You you don't learn like I, I don't learn anything from the big successes other than, oh, that was nice, right? But sure. I didn't learn anything that I could take with me to the next project. Um, but every time I've messed something up or or or, uh, or, I, or I, I've been surrounded by, oh, this isn't working, I've learned something. So I like to share that part because that's the good stuff.
1: I feel – but again, you're right, and I, I'm, I'm actually a teacher. And when the kids get upset because they screw something up, I'm saying we le- – you learn from mistakes. You literally – I don't think you can learn in most situations without. But I think it's one of those things is we as humans – don't really share and don't really focus on because it admits culpability and fault and stuff, but it's, it's refreshing and cool to hear. Yes. And I'm sure people listening are going to really appreciate your, your openness.
2: Part of my uh, uh, philosophy here is I've learned this from teaching is that the almost the entire time I've been teaching, we've lived in a society run by reality shows. And, so, and one of the lessons of reality shows is either you're a winner or you're a loser. Mm. Like you're, you're going to win this bake off or go home. All right. Either you're the greatest Lego master or fuck off. And that's not what it's really like to be a creator. It's just not sure. It's like sometimes you win and sometimes it works out and you can know everything you knew that on that thing that won and it not worked this time. It's just so I like to counter that that constant energy that's out there telling young people they're winners and losers creatively and saying there's no such thing. It's just a journey
1: there. Yeah. Let's change gears. Hardcore. You've mentioned Legos twice.
2: uh Oh, are you a Lego guy? I am a Lego guy. But yeah, that back there, that's a custom Lego. Like I was at my custom Lego store and it was in the uh, display case. And I was like, hey, uh, I need to buy that. They go, it's not for sale. I go, yeah. Hi. I created Miles Morales. There's (laughs) nobody on the planet (laughs) that wants this more than me. Uh, except for maybe Lord and Miller, and so I, I yeah, we're we're big Lego people, and um, having like characters uh, of ours uh, turned into Legos is about as big a deal as you could ever hope. It's a big part of some mental health uh, uh, situations in our house. It's of uh, 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 for for the entire family. It's been a very uh, uh, good thing for us. So I, I love just.
1: That's awesome. Lego um, kid from way back too.
2: I I was and then I stopped and that but Lego adult me and and the time I share with my kids with Legos and stuff is pretty great.
1: Yeah. What are what are give me some of your sets both back then and now.
2: Oh, if I took you to uh, we have a we have an apartment filled. We got we have uh um we have the the giant Taj Mahal and we have the Beatles from the uh, uh from the um. Yellow submarine set mm-hmm. at the Taj Mahal But they're there and from there The multiverse creates and so there's a whole Batman section in one part And then it turns into So we're building this whole thing and We have a whole uh, a Marvel tinged uh, uh, city We've taken all the city uh, Sets and mixed them with the Marvel sets And turned them into a uh, Into a, Marvel, a, a giant Marvel New York
1: How oh, you have a, a When you said we have an apartment In my mind the apartment yeah, over, is solely
2: no, for Legos override. We have a over our garage kind of like place for comics and Legos. So
1: how cool is that? Yeah. What's uh what's the next set on the docket for you guys to crack into?
2: Well, I this is my pri- my privileged space is that do I wanna open my, my Daily Bugle? I'm just so happy I have like three characters <laughs> in the Daily Bugle set and I'm like, do I wanna open it or do I want to keep it? And also I'm like thrilled Ironheart made the Wakanda sets like that really mm-hmm that delights me to no end. So like, like there are there like miles particularly brought to me, like everything I, like, I didn't know I wanted, like I've, I've merch has always blown my mind. Like we had merch early on in ultimate Spider-Man and I was like, "Whoa, well, merch is cool. And, uh, but, but miles got a, um, miles got a Campbell soup can, uh, <laughs> uh, a, a Pez, A Lego. And what was the other one? Oh, a Band-Aid. There's a Miles uh, Band-Aids. And I was like, though, that's that 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 really warmed my heart. That's I feel very seen.
1: Do you think you'd feel the same way if it was Scarlet or Jinx or anything else?
2: I because it's more baby on on Powers. We have a lot. We've had quite a bit of merch. Mm -hmm. So I've had I have uh, experienced it. So, yes. And I would like any of those things to hit the cultural uh, prevalence of spider-man that would be lovely and i, I i'm i'm ready for all of that
1: i but, would wear a scarlet band-aid
2: i think that'd yeah, be cool sure, absolutely <laughs> and uh um yeah scarlet's is full of merch that's just, it's built <laughs> for merch. and um uh, um but but so i kind of feel like i get to have my cake and eat it too like i get to tell stories like scarlet and not worry about nonsense of merch or anything like yeah, that. yeah yeah Having things like you know, um, like the fact that Jessica Jones had as much merch as she had was like that. That's something no one was thinking. Think about that when you were writing Alias. Nope, not (laughs) one second did I think that they're going to make things like that. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, it warms my heart. It delights me. It warms me. It, I, I can't speak to it high enough. It's a, it's a great feeling. So I get, I feel like I get to have my cake and eat it too.
1: That's I really do. I really like I
2: got to do like whatever we can think of in the creator own space. And if it hits, great. Uh, But but you do not have to, like, worry about it because Miles is out there. Jessica's out there. Riri's out there. And it's it's quite lovely.
1: I'm a big Lego guy from back then and now. I have a couple Spider-Man stuff specifically for my son, who you met. (laughs) He's three. He's too young to really do too much Legos, but he's into it. My aunt and I did Legos literally since I was five. And recently I bought her a set on eBay. That was one that we have a picture of us doing. And she's my Lego aunt. And we looked at the Taj Mahal, but we wanted to get that, the original ultimate collector set, Millennium Falcon. And it was like our white whale. And we searched forever. We got hosed by scammers. We eventually got it. And four people spent 20 hours in a house where the entire living room was set up with tables, it took us twenty hours, but it was that's like awesome. it was awesome.
2: That's amazing. Just so people know, like, when if I'm out and about and someone like you just uh, did to me today with uh, your nephew, introduced me to your awesome nephew who is clearly too young to fully. Oh,
1: he's my son. That's my son. Oh, that's your son. I apologize. Yeah, the other guy. My my cousin. This is my cousin Paul. There you he's, go. <laughs> he's sitting in on the podcast today. So, we've got a, a son and a, and a nephew, but go. I'm well, sorry, I, go ahead.
2: Let me see if I have one right here. But I, um, anytime I'm I meet a, a young'un who's into Spider Man, I I I give them a, a Miles keychain, a Miles Lego keychain. Do you uh, really yeah. just have a pocket of them, and you walk I have, around? I have like two in my pocket at all time. No, like uh, like uh, like w- when I was a kid, Steve Martin famously had like he wouldn't sign autographs, but he would give you a business card that said "I met Steve Martin" because that's all you wanted. That's <laughs> sure, wanted, right? So I was like. Uh, like I would always have like a couple comics in the car, and then like oh there's that that the, it never seemed like the right thing, but I have a couple miles in my in my pocket, and if it's a little kid and they go oh he writes Spider Man and the kid got that you know I I don't know what that means uh, uh, a look on their face uh, <laughs> uh, I, I give them a I give them a keychain and it's a nice little little thing. So Lego is how I connect with with the kids on on Spider Man.
1: That's so cool. Well, we will certainly be visiting you at a con and he will he will certainly get a Lego. He would he would be super into that, too.
2: Yeah. Anytime I see someone who like that, yeah, this kid needs a moment this, yeah, like the the Legos come out.
1: That's so well, it's like a double moment, man. That's like yeah. the symbol and idealism of Spider-Man and Legos. Like, man, you're just blowing minds all over the place, Mr. Bendis. All right. <laughs> well, we'll let you go in a couple of minutes. But before we started the show, you and I were talking and you said you're a big fan of the podcast. How did this get made?
2: Yeah. So um, there is a very comic book friendly podcast. Many of our friends have like been involved in it or, or, or our, our friends or fans of Paul and Jason particularly. Uh, and uh, for years, my friends have been like, oh, you got to listen to this podcast. And I just did not have, the extra bandwidth, like I just, my, you know, I've got four kids and a bunch of full-time jobs. I just didn't, I just didn't have it. And then during the pandemic, I caught one and I I loved it. And it's been my comfort food like all year. So now I've spent the whole year just listening to nothing, but <laughs> every episode of how did this get made? And I'm almost at the end of my, of my initial run. And I'm just, uh, I I can't recommend it high enough. It's, it's been uh, my my comfort food for for a while, and I'm so glad they're they're part of our community of comic book people. Like Paul makes comics too. And, sure, yeah, yeah. So I, 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 it's such a wonderful experience. I, you, I have you ever
1: seen it live or just listened to the show? No,
2: I again, I've been invited. I didn't go. I'm like, I'm, I'm like mad at myself now. The opportunities that I had over the years that I, that I didn't, ha- I, I couldn't make work. And I've, I've since reached out and made, and made restitution on this. But I, uh, yeah, this is. Um, if you want to listen to uh, great episodes to get a taste, uh, Drop Dead Fred episode is is kind of like their. Uh, 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 their um, uh, Stairway to Heaven, and uh, um, <laughs> uh, um uh, uh, my friend, uh, Ed Brubaker, fellow Daredevil writer, Ed Brubaker, does the Daredevil Ben Affleck Daredevil episode. Uh, highly recommend it, it was just wonderful, and Ed's great on it. So, they're just, there's a bunch of great episodes.
1: As a quick aside, would you feel at liberty to tell your feelings about that movie?
2: The, the, the Ben the Affleck. Affleck one, yeah, well, no, yeah, but it's it sounds bullshit. I mean, like, like, so. I was at Marvel. I was on Daredevil. I didn't like, like I didn't get fired. And not only didn't I not get, (laughs) no, like I, there is like to be the Daredevil uh, beyond Daredevil. That's the book. That's the reason we wanted to make comics. Yeah. Frank Miller, baby. Like I would, that was going on while I was in high school. Like it's hard. You cannot disconnect. Right. That is to me. So now I'm on Daredevil, not ripping off Frank Miller, which was my, my big old don't rip him off. And uh, um, and and telling a story with one of my best friends, David Mack. So I'm on there, and not only do I not get fired, but they offer me Spider Man. And then they go, "Hey, you want to read the Daredevil screenplay?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And <laughs> the, the screenplay, uh, as has been reported elsewhere, if you got to read the screenplay before you saw the movie, the screenplay was much better. Mm-hmm. It was it, it was there on the page, which makes the, the final result. uh uh uh, that much more frustrating uh and then for me like uh i wasn't referenced in the screenplay but by the time they started shooting uh i had done enough daredevil where they included me and david in the in the references they were they referenced Yeah, yeah my name and i had never been referenced in a movie before all right that's amazing so i i loved it like so i i uh i it's hard for me to see the movie for what it is because it was such a Warm time in my life, like it's just like me and my friends not messing up Daredevil to the point where they <laughs> gave us a shout out in the movie, which, yes, I wish was better. Uh, um, uh, it, yeah, and I I think I recommend uh, watching the uh, Siskel Niebert review of the movie. If you mm-hmm. can see
1: that, it's you know, it's what comic movies were then, it, you know? it
2: speaks to a time, it, yeah, it, it that's a good a way to say it. And I and, and and I and I know this sounds like faint praise and the kind of shit that if someone said about me, I'd be like, no, but it does make you appreciate the TV show and the Netflix shows in general, all that much more. It, I it agree. Really, yeah, it, it really does. They're like uh, lessons were learned and applied immediately to that character. And we got a good <laughs> TV show out of it. So yeah.
1: Back to uh, uh, how did this get made? Give me either some of your favorite, movies that you learned about from the show that you then checked out, or at least just favorite moments that while you're listening to that show, you're like, get the hell out of here. What the fuck?
2: Well, well, they do hit like as they've described, um, they, they've hit an enormous amount of movies from the year 1987, which was a year in which I was very uh susceptible to watching bad movies. Sure. I we were the only family in the in the neighborhood who had showtime Uh, and cable so uh, my friends would come over and just watch whatever the fuck (laughs) um, showtime which often was a lot of these movies that were uh, like like the movie scavenger hunt was on like like over and over and over and over and over and over again and 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 so it wasn't like our 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 you know i know i know since i sound like such an old man because like my like, like, I I, like my son was complaining there wasn't enough Star Wars material to watch on Disney Plus. Fair, I, yeah. Like, Excuse me, young yeah. man. When <laughs> I was your age, I had one movie.
0: Yeah.
1: We had Shadows of the Empire hardcover and we yeah. liked it. That was that was as much it. as we got. Yeah. And, and, and role uh, play. Remember going to like getting role playing books just to find background?
2: Yes. So, yeah, we were hungry, hungry for content. And uh, so so our relationship to this content is very different. So, uh, having gone through all the Jean Claude Van Damme movies with uh, "How Did This Get Made," it just opens your eyes to to the to the artistry involved in a way that you normally wouldn't wouldn't appreciate.
1: Well, I'll let you go, but let me give me one thing if you can, either Spider Man or Daredevil, what? What is a story or a plot point or a line? What's something that you weren't able to put in <laughs> for it? I don't even mean editing wise. I just mean you didn't get to that story or you had better oh, things to say.
2: Oh, there's just, always like I used to make a joke about like how like fans would go, How do you like when I was writing powers mm-hmm. and and Spider-Man at the same time? And someone would go, Do you ever get like confused about like which what where the story should go and i'm like <laughs> like there's, there's there was no <laughs> yeah. i was pr- i'm very proud of the fact that i never was like writing spider-man you know murdering a a, a prostitute like that was never, <laughs> never gonna happen so um uh so i mean so that's any dirt
1: would to. be great to hear but i'm saying just anything that you didn't put down on a page for whatever reason whether See, you were told no I, you or know you didn't what get to-
2: part of the reason Part of the reason I I ended up leaving Marvel uh, was because I I came to the realization that uh, my 18 years with the character on multiple titles, sometimes in multiple universes, um, uh, was a grand gift, uh, greater than the, you know, I I hold the record by like seven years. uh, And and, and, uh, so I... I, um, I honestly can tell you that I I I I felt that not only had I done everything I could do but get the fuck out of the way so someone else can now do it and then they can now have this this blessing that you've been given can now be given to somebody else if you would get the hell out of the way and uh, and you can and you're being offered to Uh, So, so that was a big one, but it's hard because the whole time when you're working on a character like Spider-Man, it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like uh, it it feels like a a beautiful share, like a, like a a shared connection between creators and, and readers. And why on earth would you ever not do that? Like, like, so, so it's hard to like take a step back and go you've done this story time to go. Like, like, and that was it. Like I, I'd come to the realization that I, I, I was, I would, I was coming dangerously close to repeating ideas and that's what you, uh, and you don't want to do that. You want to like, it's time to go. So I, I was uh, grateful then I could take all my lessons of Spider-Man and apply them to Superman and see which lessons applied and which ones didn't, and that mm. that I was I was highly grateful for. So I I um so so the answer is no, I don't think I did. And in the time since I've been gone, I've had a couple opportunities to revisit that question. Is there anything else you want to do with the character? And uh, the answer was uh, not more than creating new things. Mm. Not more than like like attending to our Jinx World line with the ones and Pearl. And these are all new ideas and new characters and new challenges that I don't uh I, I don't know if I can do. I, I don't know uh if if I have the tools to to make that happen. And that's much more exciting as a creator than doing the thing that, oh, it's been 18 years. You can you got this one. Like you can do this. Mm. So uh um I also now that I look back, and I, ha- I have this, these, some of these crazy records at Marvel, and realize that like, oh, nobody cares that you like nobody. <laughs> there's there's no Guinness Book of Marvel Records. It's just like I, I maybe should have left the gig even years before I did, like and 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 pursue this. So I'm grateful that I've been able to look back on that and go, yeah, no stone unturned. Did it, got it all done, and uh, and and also. I'm, I, I'm privileged by the fact like we saw earlier that people are still reading it. So it's, it's like, I'm still getting all the juice that you get out of being a Spider-Man writer without having to do any of the actual work. It's fantastic. <laughs> so I, 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 I did not know that would come again. That You don't know that's how it's going to be. And, you know, it's pop culture, things, some things fade away. Some things stay stick. You don't know what's going to be what. So I'm, I'm very grateful that ultimate Spider-Man at least for now is, is, still part of the conversation. And also these, these movies coming out every couple of years, uh, particularly the miles movies just keeps it alive in in a way uh, in such a vibrant way, that more than I could have ever hoped for. So,
1: well, I'll speak for all of us and I'll say, thank you for everything you've done because I think you, like you said, it's not work. It wasn't a job for you, but it meant a lot to a lot of people. And, I mean, you saw that today. I had my son talk to you and my nephew and even myself. It's like there are people who read it and you allow them that escape for a half hour. Then there's people who read it and take lessons from it and, you know, really think about it. It really changes lives. So and it's also been fun as hell. You wrote some great stuff.
2: Oh, yeah, it's a blast. And I and 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 when people are listening to podcasts like this and they're thinking about it, I would like to do that. Yeah, go do it. Honestly, go, go make a comic by yourself. Go make a comic with your friends. It's, it's the cheapest way still to express yourself. You don't have to buy a guitar or a camera. You just got a blank piece of paper and you fold it. You got yourself a comic. Go make one, go tell your truth, whatever it is, whether it's the most serious thing in your mind or the silliest idea you can think of, go do it because, um, it feels good making it. It feels very, it's very therapeutic. It's very, it's very soulful. And um, if everything goes well and you can find a way to get that work into other people's hands, that connection can be powerful. It can be worldwide. It could go as, as big as you could possibly imagine. So I, I highly recommend it. You guys go, go make some comics. Well, where, even can if you we... mess it all up, it's great. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'll read it. Even, uh, um, Where can people see what you're up to? Where can people follow you? If people don't know where to see what you have coming down the bend, where can we keep an eye on your stuff?
2: Well, go to jinxworld.com and that will take you to my ongoing situation at Dark Horse. Dark Horse is now my happy home for all of our creator-owned books, including Powers and uh, our new ones like The Ones and Joy Operations, which we just got greenlit for sequels for both of those. So we're pretty excited uh, that we get to keep making our new stuff. Uh, so thank you for that. Uh, also, uh, I have a book out um, with Andre Lima Araujo uh, called Phenomena. It's out through Comic Abrams, uh, Abrams Comics Arts. It's the first of a series of graphic novels. It is one of the most beautiful books I have ever had my name on it. If you love uh, what we did on Spider-Man. I think you'd really did what's going on with Phenomena. It's a, a on all ages, fantastical uh, a book about what might happen to our world uh, coming in the future. Uh, uh, and also um, I have a situation going on on Substack. It's a newsletter service, um, but they've um, uh, come to a, a bunch of us comic creators like Jonathan Hickman and Brian K. Vaughan and uh, uh, Kelly Thompson. And we're all, doing um, comic book work on Substack. I'm teaching a live class. Um, so if you want to learn how to write, you can come join us for the class. I'm also doing a book called Creation where we go behind the scenes and how we, we created all of these characters. So if you like what we talked about today and you want the, the deep dive on Jessica Jones or Powers or Miles or Riri Williams, you can uh, listen to or read or watch our, our book Creation on Substack. And coming very soon, on Substack is the aforementioned Fortune and Glory, the musical an autobiographical comic about my short time writing the Spider-Man Broadway musical disaster.
1: When you read a Batman comic, you're like, when does this guy sleep? Mr. Bendis, what, like, do you take a nap during the day? What do you yes,
2: do? You do it, I, I, yeah, listen, it's it's it, uh, first of all, what a what a, isn't everything I just described sound like? Well, that sounds like a great way to spend your day, like making all that stuff. Right, so this I'm the sure. opportunity right now is for me to go do all this. So I would like to go do all of this. Yeah, so it's it's a, a it's a real joy. Actually, I'm thrilled about the subsec situation because it has flat out allowed me the time to focus on a handful of projects I've been dying to do, hmm. which is including creation and fortune glory. So I'm I'm so this new space the comic book uh, world has opened up uh, uh, since I started making comics has been really exciting. And allows us to all try like a lot of new things.
1: <sighs> well, keep yourself busy. <laughs> you guys can yeah, follow, you guys can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at launchpad pod. And you can check us out at our website, launchpadpod.com. Mr. Bendis, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for dealing with it. my, oh, we finally did. It. Um, it it's been, it's been a long time coming and I really do appreciate your patience with me and, and, Finally sitting down to do this. This has made my day. And My cousin Paul's here, and I'll tell you both. You know that because I know you listen. We have a secret handshake on the Launchpad podcast, and I would be honored if you did it with me. All
2: right, I'll let's sh- see it.
1: I'll show you how we do it. So you start with your hand sideways, and you come in like this, and you go, then you invert it other way, and then you go, <laughs> And it's a raspberry as the rocket ship blasts off. So the three of us can do this together. You just do it towards the screen. So we'll come in sideways, invert, and then a raspberry up. Sound good? Ready? Three, two, one. There you go. (laughs) Thank you very much. We've
2: been doing the Kiki Palmer no handshake. We've just been doing (laughs) that. That's been us for like a year and a half now. All right. Thank you very much. Please uh, say hi to your son. That was an awesome conversation. Uh, And uh, I'm so glad this went. I hope you got what you wanted out of it. Again, I'm sorry for the delay. I sincerely apologize. I I knew you weren't
1: uh, taking a nap. I knew you weren't relaxing. It's been a crazy couple of years. I know you've been busy. But seriously, thank you for joining us. This has been the Lost Brand Podcast with Brian Michael Bendis. We really appreciate it. All
2: right. Have a good one, guys. Ignition sequence start. Six. Five, four,
0: three, two, one, zero. All engine women. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.